For me, that's where it, it began. Just essentially, you know, having passion to analyze. You have to constantly be analyzing to find, you know, what's next and, and also, you know, what's on the fringes of, of the companies you own. How can you find alternative data sets that potentially lead you in the right direction? But ultimately just having a clear framework of where you're where you're even looking for. I don't want to, you know, knock down the door of all 500 of my clients and tell them to sign this paper for, you know, a 3% sliver of their overall portfolio or a 7% sliver. So, you know, what's the easiest access point? There's this narrative that's out in the in the world today. It's not a narrative, it's reality, but it's, you know, the AI hype. And we think actually maybe some of the best opportunities are the ones that are being improperly hit. Welcome to this week's Raz Report. We got Sean Avery, founder and CIO of Avery and Company, investment management firm. He has his own podcast, Inside Scoop Pod. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Sean David, S-E-A-N-D-A-V-I-D. So David must be your middle name. David is the middle name. All right. Because you got Sean Emery, but Sean David is the is the Twitter. Okay, right? I was late to the game, right? So Sean Emery wasn't just available. <laughs> Maybe you were late to the game or you're just a youngster. How, how old are you? 34 now. Yeah, you're a youngster. You're a youngster. And yeah. you and you live in Miami? Miami, Florida, born and raised. So All right. Oh, okay. One of the few. So, so yeah, most people are people. So now tell us what you do. Yeah, look, at Avery, we run, we're an asset manager uh, in Miami. Uh, we run high conviction equity portfolios. Uh, we have three main strategies, one being our flagship, which is, you know, a high conviction uh, called Premier Growth. Um, you know, eight to 25 companies in that portfolio, generally around is, 15. Is, is, is it evenly distributed uh, capital or is it allocated hot to more conviction ideas in that portfolio? How do you do it? Yeah. So we, we start off at an equal weight. And the reason why is, we, you know, we're behavioral psychologists at heart in some degrees. So we, we believe that, you know, we have natural instincts to overweight, you know, some of the winners or, or some of our favorites, how about, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, in the portfolio. So we start at equal weight and then we let them run and then we have pretty wide bands on when to snap them back to, you know, that equal weight um, philosophy or, or mandate. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you have those three, you have those three, you have three different strategies, high conviction. What are the other two strategies? Well, they're all high conviction. So the firm is based on high conviction, right? So, you know, premier growth is, so our two main, our two first strategies, premier growth and premier plus, right? They're the same strategy. The only thing we're doing is lowering the return threshold to get more in the door. It's much more of a, like, call it diversified, but it's 25 stocks and basically 25 to 30. Um, and we call that a diversified version of our, you know, highest conviction strategy. Secular growth, transformation stories, that's ultimately what drives our boat, you know, at, at Avery, again, not to be, a, you know, promotional, but it's, it's, you know, our philosophy is investing where the world is headed. We were, this is pre-2020, we had this philosophy, you know, before that, um, before that became, you know, popular, let's say. Um, so secular growth on one side, 11 themes that we're, we're invest, investing behind, and then, you know, transformation stories, which are companies that are going through their investment life cycle or, or company life cycle and ultimately transforming their business to redder, better realign to where the world is headed. So that's the first two. One is premier growth, premier yep. plus. The only thing there is return thresholds and that allows some in the door and then dividend compounders, which is actually, you know, we go down the same substrate of, of investing where the world is headed. Same companies are approved. Who's paying a dividend? You know, we think if, if you look at dividend growth strategies today, many of those are filled with you know, legacy type philosophies and, and legacy industries. And generally speaking, where the world is headed on the dividend side is, you know, many of these cash hoard companies are going to be the dividend payers of the future. 
um, but they don't meet the the strict mandates of you know ten years of of compounding dividends and and such. But there's clear line of sight in those um, of of getting there. So you know we think that ultimately it was from demand from the advisor community that wanted our philosophy in that type of a uh, strategy. So that that's ultimately how it evolved. Okay. Now just skipping to you because I I read your newsletter. You have a I don't know if it's a newsletter or a research report, but I read uh, one of your reports and you talk about some of your stocks, Wix, Omnicell, uh, Nunetics, um, Meta. But I loved reading about the Fed rate, like where the rate was, the history of it, and just your overall take on the markets. What Have you always been passionate about the markets? Have you always been a guy following them? You said you're 34. Um, where'd this passion come from? Yeah, I mean, I say a, a funny story, but it's also reality, which is I played fantasy baseball when I was 10, 13, 12 you know, years old. Yep. And that's that same philosophy approach, which is, you know, continuing to dig, yep. uh, find something when it's cheap and, you know, sell it when it's A-Rod. Um, and, you know, finding the 18-year-old and, you know, sell them when they're 26, about to hit, you know, 30. Um, and so, so that type of analytical kind of, let's say, capabilities, I think that's where it morphed. And the passion for just discovering. Um, and then from there, you know, I went to Stetson University in Central Florida, mm-hmm. a really, really good investment program uh, where I was an analyst, a trustee of the endowment while being a student. We were running a high conviction equity portfolio there um, and, you know, became a, a small cap equity analyst at, at the leader of that group's hedge fund uh, for some time. Uh, and, and ultimately, that's where it, it began, which was just essentially, you know, having passion to analyze. Uh, I think that's. You, you, it's a requirement in our field uh, because, you know, you have to constantly be analyzing to find, you know, what's next and, and also, you know, what's on the fringes of, of the companies you own. So I, I would say that's the general origin story of the passion. Got it. And so is, you, is your like role like being an investigator almost, finding those undervalued companies when no one's looking at them? Yeah, for sure. And obviously the investigation part has evolved over time. Um, where it's, you know, how are you looking for these opportunities? We all used to, back in the day, you know, you would, people would look at the newspaper and, you know, there was some arbitrage between waking up maybe a little bit earlier and, and looking at PEs uh, in, the, in the newspaper and seeing, you know, what went down and what went up, uh, you know, morph that to today. You know, everyone has Yahoo Finance and can screen for the perfect company. So there's really no arbitrage, you know, screening for, you know, sub 15 PE, 20% revenue growth, 20% margins, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like an area that you would want to, you know, attack. So how can you think differently about maybe a screen? How can you think, how can you find alternative data sets that potentially lead you in the right direction? Um, but ultimately just having a clear framework of where you're, where you're even looking for um, and what you're looking for. And that's why we designated our philosophy on secular growth and transformation, where we're at the two tails of, you know, a company's journey, which is, you know, the very early start. And I don't mean, you know, uh, when they're when they're private and early and no revenues and no profits, things like that, but disrupting incumbents and on the other side is really you know them disrupting themselves. They are the incumbent now, uh, and they have to morph and and evolve. And you know, so I think that's ultimately you know having a clear philosophy of what you're looking for, and then realizing that you know some of these things are going to change over time. That the newspaper is no longer your advantage. That Yahoo Finance or screeners are no longer your advantage. So what is that next advantage that you could potentially have? um in, in finding ideas okay and so your funds how are they how do they compare like to the s&p 
in terms of I mean, every, like, everything uh, in general? Uh, maybe the S&P is the wrong question. What I mean is, like, you you have a more contrary portfolio. You, you're picking stocks. How do you compare to the indexes that you, um, you know, go against or what have you? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, if you just decompose our strategies, and it, it's, it's by chance, but it's essentially, you know, we have zero in the Dow, zero holdings in our strategy in the Dow. Um, we have less than, you know, 12% in the S&P 500 and less than 12% in the NASDAQ. So by nature, you know, of, I, th I think trying to find dislocated assets that are either under, um, people are underestimating their future growth potential because, you know, there is this secular tailwind that's going to drive growth in the future, or they're, uh, kind of unappreciating the transformation that is underway or about to occur or occurring. Uh, and, and generally speaking, you know, those two tend to, I mean, for, for some reason, we don't own that many in the indices. Um, okay. We've never been within 10% of an index uh, using like the, you know, the, those main ones as the, as the proxies. Um, so we, we want people to look at us as truly as an investment that is kind of on the side of, you know, of what they're doing, whether in the real world with real estate and also, you know, whether it's, you know, what they have an equity portfolio and, you know, they want to get beta exposure through SPY, uh, but they want something else that, you know, they trust the process, the people and the performance over time has 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 served uh, them well. So, so how many years you've been doing the strategies for? Yes, yeah, uh, six and a half now, almost seven. OK, it's and so have you ever thought of creating an ETF? We have. We're actually in the process of, uh, you know, uh, active ETF. Um, okay. discussions through demand. It's, uh, these advisors want simplicity of implementing inside their portfolios. We run separately managed accounts and, you know, if you run a fund or a separately managed account, those can be tedious for each, uh, next investor that you have, uh, at the RIA channel, the, you know, the advisors that are trying to have, you know, 500 accounts and trying to implement, you know, uh, a strategy across 500 accounts and active ETF just makes a lot of sense. So do you like, so to Avery and company, do you have a lot of families? Like, is it, do you re reveal what's your AUM? Um, I mean, you're a young firm. It's awesome. Started, you, you, you know, I mean, you have one co-founder, I think you said. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, myself and a co-founder. So and you have um, like, yeah. So do you guys, is, is most of your, are most of your clients families? Is it individual? Like how, what, what do you focus on? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I you're pretty, because you're pretty prolific, like social media wise. And I'm sure people can reach out to you that way. I just like, how does it, you know, it's a different world these days, right? Yeah, you'd be shocked at the, you know, the social channels. We put a lot of our research out there. So we've gotten a lot of, you know, response to that. Um, we believe in that concept since day one. That's what's got us. You know, I used to run a blog that, you know, became pretty popular. And that that gave, gave us some reach. Uh, then we developed, that was like 10, 15 years ago. Um, so I always had like this, some reach, um, at some point, Avery, you know, our client base, our investor base, we have super high net worth individuals. You're talking, you know, families worth, you know, 50, a hundred million dollars or more. In some of those, we have a, a large chunk. In some of those, we have a small chunk, uh, of their assets, liquid assets. Uh, we also have, you know, the, some of the advisor channel, which is kind of where we are today in terms of our growth. Uh, where we have you know, big families that we're strategic about that we want to work with them. Uh, they want to work with us. You know, we've gone through many years of, you know, talking to each other, seeing everything and reading our research. Um, and then, you know, the next phase as well is, is around distribution, which product distributes better. 
Um, we think we're in a, a different world again than you know, 15 years ago, where you couldn't have separately managed accounts really because it was tedious to, to make those trades. Um, but also on the um, on the ETF side, you didn't really have like the uh, the active side of of ETFs being as call it desired or you know the knowledge there was kind of this knowledge gap where ETFs were only passive. Um, so that's that's it's changing, but that's the structure of our. Our firm today is is we work with high net worth individuals. Um, that was the early days, and still today. Uh, and then uh, the RA channel uh, that we're you know going after now in terms of you know wanting to work with and just figuring out the best ways to do so. We actually don't have a big at all retail following in, investor base. Uh, I don't know if it's our call to action. Um, you know wh- whether it's you know on the websites and and, and making it easy. Separately managed accounts, uh, you know, they're not as streamlined. So it could be that. Um, so you go, but, you, you're saying you guys go reach out directly to RAs to help them manage some of their clients' money? Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, a good handful of uh, like advisors that work at different institutions across the country. We're everywhere from, you know, Scottsdale to California to, you know, parts of Florida to Puerto Rico, um, where, you know, we have advisors that are there to Atlanta. Um, and you know, they will, they'll put their, uh, investors, their advised clients, uh, into our strategies in different proportions. Um, some cases we don't know the proportion, but some cases we do. Um, How do they do do it? Do you, do they have to like, do they just set up a separate account with like their SMA, like a fidelity, and then they use your strategy is like your strategy there. Like how do that, what's the actual, like, uh, so what I guess I'm asking is someone's listening to this podcast day, the Raz report, and they see, um, and they want their advisor to you, do one of your strategies. Okay. And let's say the advisor doesn't work with you. How would it even happen? I guess is what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So we're at all of the independents. So whether it's Schwab, TD, interactive, uh, fidelity, NFS, uh, that whole, you know, ecosystem. So if you're on interactive brokers, you know, you can find us in the, in the marketplace. Okay. Uh, if you're at Schwab or TD, if you have an advisor, you could ask them, say, Hey, you know, can you look up Avery, um, strategies, Avery and company strategies, premier growth, let's say, but just look up their strategies and they would be able to just link us to those accounts pretty seamlessly. Um, and then the paperwork would be done, you know, uh, with it, with the advisor, if we have like a master agreement, um, or, you know, with us, if it's more of a different type of relationship. So we're available if they're there. Um, but again, you, you have to, you, you have to speak to these advisors, you know, and you know, there's that trust factor, um, that you have to build and process understanding what we do, why we do it, how we do it. Um, and but yeah, cause you, is your competitor almost, is your competitor almost just like ETFs in some respect, because let's say Joe Schmo advisor, you're calling on and say, Hey, we have this strategy. It's contrary. We have we, we really unique research. Here's some of our research reports. Do they sometimes tune you out because they're like, you know, Oh, I can just put it on in, in ETF index or. I think our, uh, again, I think why we're going down the active ETF route specifically in that channel, right? Like if you're going directly to a family and they have, it's a large family, you know, they have liquidity always, you know, coming in a sense, or, or in some cases, we have a lot of their liquidity already, you know, those are a little bit easier. The battle there is, you know, they have a legacy relationship that happens to be, you know, hyper close to the family, and it, it becomes more, let's say, uh, uh, emotional and 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 uh, personal than it becomes business. And, you know, that's that's fine, uh, as, uh, you know, as long as that the professional's good at what they do. 
Um, on the mm-hmm. other side, on the on the advisor channel, uh, it becomes more friction than anything else. It's you know I don't want to you know knock down the door of all five hundred of my clients and tell them to sign this paper for you know a three percent sliver of their overall portfolio um, or a seven percent sliver. So you know what's the best, what's the easiest access point? Active ETF achieves that. The thing is, an active ETF is the most expensive product to build uh, of all those products. That are out there, you know, a fund structure is cheap. You know, SMA is really cheap. Um, you know, a mutual fund is is just as expensive. But um, you know, those those uh, registered, you know, call it securities, are the most uh, expensive to do because there's more legal work, ironically, um, to do that. So that's ultimately the friction. Is it's not bad. I don't see us like, you know, once we sit down with somebody and they hear, you know, our process. Um, see what we've done uh, historically, you know, I think it resonates really well. Then it becomes the next step, which is how do we implement this thing? Uh, and that's ultimately, you know, the competition we always had, which is implementation and, and complexity. But is the, when you say implementation, is it easier because of SMAs or what do you mean by implementation? So if you're an advisor again, and, and you have 500 clients and you're, you're trying to, you know, get Avery premier growth into your portfolio, if, if you're running SMAs, separately managed accounts, you know, they have to sign investment management sub advisory agreements with us or the advisor basically saying, hey, we're going into this strategy. Um, that's number one. Number The other side is, you know, if you're running an active ETF, you a listed security where you can buy it on the open market. Um, there's no sub advisory agreement involved in that. So there's it's that agreement that advisors don't necessarily want to put in, you know, they don't want to constantly be bombarding their client base with documents. Now, what's morphing are these model marketplaces like a, like a SmartX out there, um, which is, you know, we have our, our strategies listed there and uh, SmartX sits in between us and the advisor. So it's easy implementation for the advisor. It's called Smart, what are you say? SmartX. Okay. They're down here in Florida. They're, you know, growing leaps and bounds. I mean, they're doing an incredible job. They handle all of the implementation and trading uh, in between. So they're kind of this marketplace sitting in between Okay. Um, where we essentially put our, put our models on there. We get vetted by them. And then the advisors, um, the advisors then use that as an easier way to, to, to implement separately managed accounts. Um, Cause there's essentially much less uh, call it paperwork uh, throughout that whole process and journey. Um, Got it. So you can get integrated with SmartX and then the advisors, the RIAs can point and click point and click. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Have they been around for a while? I'm just on their website now. This has really been, uh, called the last two and a half, three years, um, that we've been on it. And really I'd say over the last 12 months, you've definitely seen an acceleration in that on that platform. It's pretty good. I mean, they're solving a lot of pain points. Um, yeah, I never, I never knew them. Um, yeah, this is interesting. So now we'll go into We'll switch from the, it, you know, you building your the business out and getting, you know, um, Avery and Co's products out there. To are there any stocks right now? I know you do a lot of bottoms up research, top level research. Are there any ones that you're more excited about? I hate to pin you down on a few. I know we only have <laughs> literally six minutes, so we could skip stocks. But if there's any one that you you know, a little more excited about. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. It, so, so obviously we run a 
concentrated portfolio. So we only have a handful anyways. Um, so that's the good part. You know, I think there's, yeah. there, there's this narrative that's out in the, in the world today. It's not a narrative, it's reality, but it's, you know, the AI hype. And, you know, a lot of people are going after the AI hype. And we think actually maybe some of the best opportunities are the ones that are being unfairly, improperly hit. Um, so we look at a company like Fiverr, which is a leader. And again, this is an investment advice, but, you know, but if you look at a company like Fiverr, which, you know, is being impacted due to the belief that, you know, AI is going to take away many of the roles and, and job functions that exist on that platform. And you're just not seeing that specifically early days, which I think is an important signal today, because I think this is ultimately the test and trial period where probably the most, let's say, and less repeatable activity is going to start to happen. Um, so if you're going to see on the fringe any sort of, you know, impl implications, I think right now is when you would probably see it. Um, and you're just not seeing that. Actually, the opposite where you're seeing category expansion on that platform. So it's a freelance marketplace you know, where designers and creators and freelancers of all how, types. How, how'd you decide that, that one versus the other one that Upwork? Uh, Upwork, yeah. Yeah. They just, they just run different models and, and they're kind of like converging on each other for sure. You know, basically if you look at Fiverr's, how they built their platform, it was definitely more of a catalog where, you know, you know what you're getting up front. You're getting a, I don't know, a uh, podcast opening edit um for 20 bucks right okay um and you know that's what you're gonna get you're it's gonna you're gonna get it in three days and this person has you know 200 ratings and five stars across all those um you click it you buy right it takes instant second and you can you know use it upwork is more of uh you know you put a a request in and people bid for for your work um and so it's different types of uh jobs we actually like the catalog and then morphing into some of the the bidding that they're doing okay. and moving up market in terms of enterprise marketplace of what they're building out. So that, that was kind of the difference there. You also had, you know, Upwork was a conglomerate or a couple companies put together, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, and a new leader, you know, within the last four years. Um, so it's a little bit less, it's a great company. It's a great product. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not Mika Kaufman, who the founder CEO has been through many of these different waves. You know, they went from selling $5 items to, you know, the other day having a $10,000, you know, AI project built off using one of their freelancers for storytelling um, that they highlighted in kind of their earnings report. Um, but really? anyways, yeah, we think it's a, a fascinating company. It, it's horizontal. So they're not like pigeonholed to anything. So as the digital world kind of morphs, the, the talent morphs with it. Um, and I don't know, like, you know, if you're trying to build something AI today, where do you go? Where do, where do you get a, a freelancer to help you to build, you know, to connect two APIs, one to, you know, open AI and one to here, you know, the first place you can really go are to these freelance marketplaces or a friend that, you know, um, no, I, I think it's no, I mean, yeah. And I do like how Fiverr has those prices versus Upwork. You have to do a little more work for your posting, but that is one that those stocks did take a hit and I think those ones will always be around and they're the ones who can help bridge the gap, not just for building websites, but data, you know, a lot of stuff, Legion and, yeah, everything. you know, um, that is a good one. And I know you have a lot of other ones I, I saw in your report. I mean, if you guys Google Avery and co, we'll have links to, uh, on the Benzinga website as well. Um, let's say this is part one of our, of our show, because we're going to do a part two where we just talk more stocks. I know we talked more about his business, 
but it's awesome seeing people build businesses different ways in the money management space. You said you're working on an active ETF. You know, when you have that, we'll have to get you on the show and market it um, to our listeners. I know you have your own podcast. What's the name of it? Yeah, Inside Scoop. Inside Scoop. How often do you give the Inside Scoop? <laughs> yeah, look, it's, um, I'll give you a 10-second highlight. It, you know, we bring on all types of guests, generally speaking, top of mind, uh, you know, ideas in the marketplace, meaning if AI is, is top in, or front and center in the world, we had the ServiceNow uh, CTO or head of AI, the Nutanix CTO on there talking about some of the generative AI stuff they're doing. So we're just bringing our investments, our ideas, what's top of mind in the world, closer to the investors through, you know, people that are inside of it. Gives us good insights, gives uh, hopefully the listeners good insights. So it's on YouTube, our, our Avery channel, Avery Co channel, and and uh, all the, our, the app stores, uh, Spotify and, and Apple. So that's all ultimately right. uh, what it is. So hopefully we brought you some new listeners. Sean Emery, <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter, but go to just look up, go to Avery and Co. Or your Twitter. What's your Twitter name? I know it. It's underscore um, Sean David S E A N D A V I D. And there, go to the link tree, and that's where you see this research report that I'm looking at. It's called the latest investor memo. It's pretty sweet, actually. So um, it's an idea day event. Like there's, you're you're you with it. Social media. You work hard, don't you? We work hard, work hard, and then we, we, we put it all out there. So, you know, so generally you no, speaking, what you see is what we're doing. You have no time for golf. Zero golf. My oh, friends shit. always, uh, come on, man. Come on. Isn't that where you raise all the money? The big golf, the <laughs> two hour, four hour round. So, not yet, not yet. You're out there. Yeah. It's all out there. He has it all out there. You're on the line, which most people don't put it themselves out there. So, that's why it's really nice having you on. Appreciate you coming on the Raz Report. We will have a part two, and we'll talk more stocks. Uh, again, Sean Emery, thank you for coming on, and look forward to being in touch. Love it. Good stuff, okay. Jason. Have a good one. Thank you.